as we uh, ask the Lord to have mercy on this nation, that he would use the church to be salt and light. So let's pray. Father God, as we come now for a moment to have you talk to us specifically through the word, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that we would have ears to hear what you want to say. So help me to have a mouth to speak what you've said. Um, open up my ears even as I talk. Help me to listen to your spirit as we all must listen to him. Thank you for the wonderful time where we could worship you and praise you. Thank you for the kiss of your presence. Thank you for the charge and the call to be Christians who not only are vocal in public for you in private, but also to be vocal in public for you in the public. So help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet, to be about good works, whether in Haiti uh, or right here in our own city. And we pray for Chattanooga right now, for the pastors and for um, all of the officials there, uh, that you would help them for our armed services, that Lord Jesus, um, just as you did in South Carolina, that when the enemy came in like a flood, would you lift up a standard against the works of the enemy? Would you turn it around? And what the enemy meant for evil, would you work it for good? Bring families closer to each other, but above all, bring them closer to you. May no one's faith fail right now, but may their faith be strengthened. So Lord, we lift them up and we pray that you touch them. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. As you turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. I have something to say. My, my wife walked into my study this morning. And she asked me, she said, what are you preaching on today? And I said to her, get out. Say, get out. <laughs> and, you know, the neck began to move. And what do you mean, get out? I said, well, wait a minute, baby. I, that's the title of my sermon today. It is get out. Now, I borrow that joke from the late E.V. Hill. Because E.V. Hill tells it this way. His wife walks into his study. And she asks him one morning, she said, honey, what are you preaching on today? And he said to her, you can go to hell. <laughs> and then when she was about to snap on him, he said, no, baby, that, that's the title of my sermon. You can go to hell unless you know Jesus. Well, you better put that tagline on there if you don't want to get tagged. Yeah, Evie was a great one. My brother-in-law, Gary, likes to tell jokes about E.V. Hill. He was a great preacher out in Los Angeles for many years, Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church. That's usually when you know it's a black church, when they put missionary in front of the Baptists. No, don't know too many white churches with missionary on the front of them. But uh, there was a youth conference that was recruiting E.V. Hill. They wanted him to come and speak. They say, Dr. Hill, we want you to come and speak to the youth. And Dr. Hill said, well, now, brothers, I, 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 I do not speak to young people. And so the committee said, Dr. Hill, we really, really would appreciate it if you came. We believe God has given you a word for the hour. And he said, well, now, brother, I, 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 I do not preach to young people. They said, Dr. Hill, there's going to be 5,000 young people there. Dr. Hill said, brother, you did not hear me. I do not preach to young people. They said, Dr. Hill, we are prepared to give you a $10,000 honorarium. Dr. Hill said, uh, what time do you want me to be there? 
get out. Here's the main point. To get on with whatever God has called you to do, you have to first get out. If you're going to get on, if I'm going to get on with what God has called me to do, I have to get out. I have to get out of park. I got to get out of the boat. I got to get out of the past. I have to get out of fear. I have to get out of worry. Get out of town. Get out of bed. Get out of the house. Get out of debt. Get out of a bad relationship. Get out of laziness. Get out of unbelief. Get out of sin. Get out of darkness. And get out of the way. Because God wants to do something with me. And before I can get on with that, I have to be willing to get out. And in order for Abraham, as we'll see briefly today, for him to get on with what God had. God gave him a great promise. We are here today because he was obedient to that promise. He had to first get out. So look at Genesis chapter 12 with me, beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the Bible says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out. Stop and pause. So the first recorded words that God speaks to Abram, and there are many words he's going to speak to him throughout the course of his journey that's found in Genesis. The first two words are get out. So he tells this man who will be a patriarch, he says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Wow. God shows a man who, just like each and every one of us, was not qualified to be chosen. You are not qualified to do what God's called you to do. I am not qualified to do what he's called me to do, but that's why he calls us because he makes up the difference and he qualifies everyone that he calls. This was all about grace. There was a covenant that he is going to make with Abram to be a great nation and they will have a great land and they will do great things for God. But this was all about grace. This was unmerited favor. God chose this man, not because this man brought anything to the table, but because God brought everything to the table. He just chose Abram because he wanted to choose him so that he could glorify himself through a broken, busted, limited vessel. And the same reason he chooses any of us to do anything good for his sake is so that he can get the glory when it's done. You are not chosen because you deserve to be chosen. 
You're not chosen because you're good at something. If you are good at something, it's only because he gave you the grace to be good at something. But at this point, Abram doesn't even have a relationship with the Lord Jehovah. And Abram is going to be a seeker throughout this journey. And in the midst of this assignment, he is going to find the Lord for himself. And so I just want to encourage you today that God has something for you. Not because of how good you are, because there is no such thing. There is none righteous, not even one person, not even Abram or Abraham. But God has something for you, not because you're good, but because he's good and because he is gracious. And when he reveals it, walk in it. Walk in it with boldness. Walk in it with obedience. Walk in it as Abram walked in his calling from God. And so when God tells you to get out, he told him to get out of your country. There's just a couple of things I'm going to say, and I hope you have better conversation over lunch today, over dinner, talking about this passage than maybe the things I'll raise. But the first thing I want you to see is that when God tells you to get out, it will be a test of your faith. It's going to test your faith. Because there's a tendency to want to stay comfortable, to want to stay safe, to want to stay where you are. But you can't grow if you stay where you are. You won't know that God is the God of the nations if you only stay where you are. You'll never know that he has all power if you just try to stay in a safe place like in the boat. But sometimes you got to get out when he says get out. And it will be a test of your faith. You see, when God called Abram, his brother had died. When God called Abram, to be the father of a great nation, his wife was barren. When God called Abram to go into a land that he had never seen before, his father had died. So Abram was a man who had gone through some challenges in life. He had faced a lot of death. His father dying, his brother died, and then his wife can't have children. And yet God chooses this man. Once again, what does he bring to the table? He is grieving. He is wounded. There are limitations around him. But God says, oh, yeah, th this is perfect for me to bless because I'm going to get all the glory from this when anything good comes out of this man's life. And so how can you start a great nation when your wife can't have a child? This is a test of faith, which means many times when God calls us to do things, it always it, it doesn't always add up on paper he may call you to go to school and you look at your bank account and say I just don't know how I can do that you see you start looking at things in the natural and we should because that's part of being wise and looking at uh, things that are measurable having reason but as believers we don't stop with reason that's really where God begins, where reason runs out because there is nothing too hard or impossible for God the key is the one who calls, not the one being called. And so he had a calling for this man, and this man had some serious limitations. So off the bat, there was going to be great faith being tested or faith being needed in this. And faith is going somewhere you've never been before. Now, his father was on the way to the land of Canaan. That's what Genesis chapter 11 says. 
So maybe there was something, you know, running in their family, in their bosom, something for greatness, who knows. But dad stopped in Haran. The Bible says he set out for Canaan, but he stopped in Haran. Now, their family had never been to Canaan, but dad is on his way there, and he stops in a land that is named after his son. His son Haran had passed away. Now, it's not cool when parents have to bury their children. So there was a, a pain in uh, 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 Abram's father's life, Terah. And so he's trying to move forward into what God has, but he stops in this region that's named after his son. And for whatever reason, he can't go any further. But any parent worth his or her salt wants their children to go further than they've gone. So I couldn't make it there, but I hope my son can make it there. Well, God says to Abram, you got to get out from where your father was and you got to go even further. You need to go where he wanted to go, but didn't get there for whatever reason. Oh, I have something for you to go to a land you've never seen. And God may be calling us to go places we've never imagined before. But doesn't he do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think? There's always got to be this faith element, this surprise element when we walk with God where he's opening up new doors and new opportunities. There's a fresh calling. As Soon as you start getting comfortable, there's a tendency to get complacent. And God doesn't want any of us to get complacent. So he'll shake it up a little bit and say, now it's time to get up and leave. And Abram could have stayed in Haran, honoring his father, honoring his brother, being comfortable for the rest of his life. He received an inheritance from his dad. But it's not about being comfortable when God calls you. You got to move. Because if you don't move, if you don't move, it's not faith. So he called him and said, get out of here. And the verse 4, 12, 4 says, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. To go where he's never gone before. To do what he's never done before. With limitations in him and all around him. But he responds, it's not faith until we move on it. Till we act on it. And you can talk a good game all you want that you got faith. But until you act and respond in obedience to what God says, you don't have faith. You got talk. But God wants talk to match walk. He wants walk to be matched up, backed up by talk and vice versa. So this guy gets up and he moves. And he's moving in the right direction without all of the details. So all you type A people that plan everything. Now, for those of us who are a little bit more laissez-faire, we love this kind of stuff. But for those of you, man, God doesn't owe you an explanation for every step along the way. Because, again, he's trying to be glorified. But it's hard to be glorified when we try to control everything. Because when we try to control it, then in essence, it's looking at us to get glory. But God will, he'll blow your little plan up in a minute. He'll loosen your grip in a second to let you know that, yeah, you have the gift of planning that I gave you. But don't forget now, I am the planner, not you. I'm the controller, not you. So you devise the way, but you leave room for me to direct the steps. And a lot of times, things evolve as you take steps of obedience. Because the word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. He, he may show you the direction, but it's only when you step that he shows you some details. 
Then he'll lead you here and lead you there. That's why there's no formula for the will of God except obey. Even when it doesn't make sense. Don't lean on your own understanding. Instead, acknowledge him in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. But it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But this was a test of faith. You don't get the name father of faith unless you've been through something. And Abram is called the father of faith in the book of Galatians, in the book of Romans. He's the father of faith. He had to trust God. God loves it when we trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's the way he set it up. He doesn't want us ruled by our senses. He wants us ruled by our faith in him. Because our senses can play tricks on us. Your eyes may see, oh, I see giants over there. Well, is what you see greater than the one who gave you the call to go in and possess the land? So sometimes there's a benefit to being blind. You know, when I listen to Stevie Wonder, his lyrics, I mean, he has a vision of things and he can't see at all. And when you, when you listen to his lyrics and, and he's explaining things as if he can see. And it's like, man, if he could see, he probably wouldn't be as great of a songwriter as he is being blind. And sometimes as believers, because we can see and hear and taste and feel, sometimes that messes us up and hinders us. Some of us are just too smart for God to use. We got to dumb ourselves down and say, Lord, I trust you. And that's where Clifton got this thing started with the old folks. And the old folks would say, listen, when you can't understand the mind of God, trust his heart. When you can't see his hand, trust his heart. Trust the Father. It doesn't have to, and it won't make sense to us all the time. That's where he gets glory in this. And when God called this man, he was imperfect. Again, I, I want to remind and encourage us that the Bible records the blemishes, the mistakes of the people that God uses. And that should give all of us hope that he can use anybody. From a murderer, to a liar, to an adulterer, to a donkey. He can use anybody and anything for his glory. But will we submit to the potter? Hmm. This man, Abram, yeah, he would be a great man, father of faith, but he was also a liar. Lied to Pharaoh, lied to Abimelech. He was a coward in some ways because he's telling his wife to lie. And he's leading her into a bad place. And God had to step in as her ultimate husbandman to protect her from the places that her earthly husband put her into because of his fear, unbelief, and compromise. David, don't tell them that you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me to get you. Well, she told the lie and they still got her. God don't need your input. He, he don't need your advice. Be obedient. Do it his way. This guy also was a polygamist. He had two wives at one time. Now when you read Abram, when he first starts out, he's praying everywhere. When he first starts out, he's building altars everywhere. and He doesn't even know God. He doesn't know God till chapter 15 when God gives him righteousness because of his faith. But then in chapter 16, he's with Hagar. Let me run this in reverse real quick. He's praying and talking to God the whole way through when he gets started. But as soon as he gets a little comfortable, he stops talking to God and then he makes his own decisions, which are bad decisions. You notice he never asked God, is Hagar your will? He says, she looked good. I know what my will is. The Lord is my shepherd and I know what I want. 
But had he prayed about her the way he prayed about Eliezer of Damascus, we might not be in the trouble we are in right now with so many Muslims who are fighting against everyone and everything. You see, all of us can trace our history back to Abram, whether you're Jewish, Christian, or Muslim. So he made some horrible mistakes. And even after Sarah died, he remarried. And what a lot of people don't know is that when he married Keturah, he also had concubines. So this man, though great, was fallen. So God's, listen to this. Now this is not a blank check to go out and say just live raggedy. But let's be honest here. God's goodness to Abraham was not based on Abraham's goodness to God. And God's goodness to you and to me is not based on our goodness to him. Now, there are some things we bring upon ourselves where we reap what we sow, okay? But let's just be clear that where our sin abounds, grace always superabounds. And it ought to be mercy and grace that leads us in the right path. Hopefully not a spanking or a whipping. So this man was fallen. I say all of that to just say he can use anybody. But when he calls you, it will be a test of your faith. But secondly, when he calls you to get out, you will become greater by going. God says, I will make you great. And the only way you can be great is if you go and do what he's called you to do. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if nobody in your family has ever done it before. There's a stirring in your bosom. You've got to obey God or you will be miserable as you grieve the Holy Spirit and quench his fire. So you, only, you will only experience greatness when you go. God says, I will make your name great. Now, here's the thing about names. His name, Abram, means exalted father. But then after a covenant, God is going to change his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of a multitude or of many nations. So, yeah, he could have been like, man, I'm Abram. I'm exalted father, man. I'm the grand poobah up in here. No, not yet. God's got something for you that you won't experience until you go. And when you go, God says, I've got nations coming out of you. But you got to go to experience the greatness. But then thirdly, when God tells you to get out, it's his responsibility to protect you and provide for you. It's not up to you. Number one, with protection. Abram did the wrong thing and God still protected him. Still protected his wife. Lot, his nephew, got blessed because he's connected to Abram, the man with the call of God on his life. And so there's an anointing. There's a blessing on his life. So God is providing for him. As I mentioned, when his father passed, more than likely he received an inheritance. But even in the midst of sin, God blessed him. Because the reason he is in Egypt is because of a famine. He goes down, but he lies about Sarah being his sister, not his wife. He should have said, she's my wife. But even in the midst of that, Pharaoh blessed him with goods. Gave him camels and servants, men servants and maid servants. Now, that's where Hagar came from. She was Egyptian. So when he got blessed with all of that stuff, Hagar was in the mix. But here's the point. God was good to him even when Abram didn't deserve it. And how many of us really deserve anything because we're not always good anyway? Again, it's mercy. It's mercy. He blesses him. He provides for him. Always providing for me is what we sing when we worship God. 
And then Abram, you would think he would learn his lesson and not do the same thing again. But he lied again to another powerful person named Abimelech and said, she is not my wife. She's my sister. And Abimelech was about to fool around with Abraham's wife till he looked out the window. No, no, that was uh, uh, Isaac who lied, learning from his father. But Abraham lied again. So this man was a liar. Well, he had trouble telling the truth at times. And then there were moments where God protected him. When he did tell these lies and God protected his wife and God protected all of his goods. Uh, when Lot and Abram separated, Lot went this way and Abram went that way and God provided and protected for Abraham. And even when Lot was abducted by the men of Sodom, by the various kings, Abram put together a 318 uh, soldier force of men, 318 men, and they went and they rescued Lot. So there was this protection on his life. And so when he got all of the goods from that, he gave a tenth of it to Melchizedek, who represented Jesus in the Old Testament. Wherever he went, there was this protection and this provision, this protection and this provision. And, and, and I heard Tony Evans say that when you're in the will of God, God always picks up the check. When you're in the will of God, he picks up the tab. But when we do it our way, we're straining to see things happen. Because we think it's up to us. But I tell you what, when, when there's a calling, there's confidence. Confidence in God to protect and provide. And he does it. He, why? He loves to be glorified by his creation. But when God tells you to get out, not only will it be a test of your faith, not only will you become great by going, it's his responsibility to protect and provide for you. But he will give you a word that is just for you. That was a word for Abram. It wasn't for his father. It wasn't even for his wife. It was for Abram. When God says, I'll make you great. I'm going to bless you. And those who curse you, I'll curse. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Everybody's going to be blessed on the face of the earth through you, which was really a messianic uh, prophecy. That through his lineage would come the blesser of the world, the savior of the world, of all men and women, boys and girls who come to him from every nation, tribe, kindred, and tongue, Jew and Gentile. Jesus, the seed of righteousness. And so we see here that there was a word for him. And throughout his journey, God is talking to him. Again, he's a seeker. He doesn't even have a full personal relationship with God until much later. So God's pursuing him. And God's talking to him. And that will be the thing that sustains you in your calling. When you get out, he gives you a word. He may speak in your spirit, do this. Or he may be a little bit more objective and he'll speak to you through the scriptures. Now, sometimes people say he's speaking to me in my spirit, but it violates the scriptures. So you can't say he's speaking to me in my spirit and it goes against what he's already spoken in his word. So make sure you're getting in the word so that the Holy Spirit has something to speak to your spirit with, with a voice that sounds like God. Because the enemy can quote scripture and we know the enemy can even play on our emotions. So get some word in your soul. And at different junctures in my life, there were scriptures that held on to me that I held on to as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Um, 
Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. So he would give me words. Lord, help me. And even where this sermon came about, I asked him to help me. Because I was struggling with something. Which goes to the last point. You will have to leave familiar faces and familiar places when you get out. Got to get out. Abram could not have become Abraham had he stayed. And he could not have been the father of a great house had he stayed in his father's house. Which is why God said, get out of your father's house. Get out from under your father's shadow. So that you can understand who the true father is, capital F. But you'll never know about God, the father, if you stay safe under your earthly father. So you got to get out, which means you're going to have to learn some new faces and some new places. You've got to leave Haran, which is really the place of death. It represents your brother who died before dad. Dad, stop there. So you've got to move on past the place of death and grieving. Sometimes there's nothing like death and grieving to handcuff the people of God. And we can't move forward because death, which lost its sting and its power through Jesus, we've allowed it to have more power on us because funerals are really for the living, not the dying. They're gone. We've got to keep moving. And anyone in the Lord who's died, they want us to keep moving for Jesus. So don't let death stop you. Abram didn't let it stop him. He had to get out of that place. He had to get out of his father's house. And so did I. I didn't grow until I left Harold Emmanuel Williamson Sr.'s home. Today... July 19th, my father would have turned 75 years old today. But he passed away 15 years ago. He transitioned into glory 15 years ago. But I remember growing up in Baltimore, and I had a great father, great father figure. Man, good dude. Showed me the way. It's a great example. I saw a transformation in his life from how he used to be before Christ to how he became with Christ and I went to college because my dad told me that's where I needed to go. And the way he did it was, was real cool because I, I, I'm a senior in high school. I'm aimless. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't want to stay in Baltimore. I'm not trying to hang around and do stuff illegal or whatever. I'm like, oh, what is going on with my life? I had no idea. But my father spoke a word to me. And he said, son, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But you need to go to Liberty University. I'm like, what do you mean, man? You just told me what to do. I didn't want to go to Liberty University. That was in Lynchburg, Virginia. Wasn't a lot of black people there. I'm from Baltimore. Black people everywhere. Lynchburg? But I obeyed my father. I obeyed him. And when I got out of my father's house, and I went to a dangerous place. I began to discover God in a way that I never would have known him 
had I stayed in my father's house. It was in Lynchburg that I met my roommate. And he's sitting over here to my right, Pastor Darrell. It's in Lynchburg that I met my wife and she's sitting on the front row here. And other friends in this room that had I stayed, I wouldn't have met these people. I wouldn't have received my calling to preach. I wouldn't have been equipped to learn the scriptures. I had to go. I was scared to go because I didn't know what was out there. But at some point, you got to leave the nest. And the goal of Christian parenting is to raise them up to send them out. Let me say that one misotism. We raise them up to send them out. We don't raise them up to keep them close. Because where's our faith? We've missed the whole purpose of filling the earth with the glory of God. You disciple them so they can go out. You train them up in the way in which they should go. Got to send them out. So if you're 30 years old, still living with your parents, your growth is stunted. Get off the breast. Get out the house. Learn how to pay your own light bill, your own rent. Learn how to manage your own money. You'll never grow. My mother would have wanted me to stay. But my dad was like, no, that boy got to go. So I didn't know that when I left for college, like I was leaving house, the house. Like I come home and my room wasn't my room anymore. They putting all other kind of stuff, sewing machines, desks, computers. You got to go. And then there came a time to leave Virginia, we had to get out of Virginia, come to Nashville, Tennessee, a place that I've only seen on television while watching Hee Haw. <laughs> Y'all don't understand Hee Haw. That, that's another, Roy Clark, you kind of liked this show, but you didn't want to really let anybody know. Just like you kind of like uh, Sha Na Na, what was that group? Shanana Bowser and all them dudes. Uh, somebody help me out with that. What, what was that group called? Say it again. Well, I like the monkeys too. Hey, hey, with the monkeys. But no, Shanana was the other one, you know. And what was it? I like them too. I like I like the Brady Bunch, but see, I was multi-eclectic. You know, I got down with George Jefferson and everybody like that. Good times, never was a good time on good times. But anyway, but we came here. Never been to this place. Didn't want to be here, but we had to get out of Virginia and come here. And as soon as we got here, we lost our record contract, and there was pain. And I had to talk with God. Why did you bring me here? To pull the carpet out from under me, I would have never come here. But see, part of the whole thing of walking with God is just obey the immediate steps. Because I've got stuff I'm going to show you. And as I just kept walking and trying to love God and love on my new wife, he began to open up new places to me, new faces to me. And next thing I know, I'm working with a group of Presbyterians 
after coming out of a Baptist church, a Baptist institution, now with 3,000 sandal-wearing, beer-drinking, reformed theology, guitar-playing Presbyterians. But I embraced it, and it was a good time. God put some stuff in me, took some stuff out of me. Then I had to get out of that church to start Strong Tower Bible Church because he started stirring in me. And here's how you know he's telling you to get out. Not only will there be a stirring and a burden, but there'll also be some open doors. <laughs> now, you know he's not telling you to get out when one door is closed after another door after another door. But when he starts telling you to get out, you'll see opportunities and you got to walk through those. And I began to walk through them. Strong Tower Bible Church got started. And we're moving all over the place. We've been, been in the Y 10 years. Get out of the YMCA. Yes, Lord. We go to the Franklin, uh, uh, what was that place called? The strip mall, the factory. Get out of the factory after five years. Okay, Lord, we're getting out. Then we go to the People's Church at 3 o'clock. Get out of the People's Church. Okay, Lord. Then we go over to the Cool Springs Y. Get up. Mold said, get out. God didn't even say get mold said, get out of here. <laughs> but he used the circumstances. Not only are we getting out of Cool Springs, but we're getting out of Franklin. To come to Nashville. Why? Why this neighborhood? He began to reveal his will. And I'm so thankful that he told us to get out. It is coming together. I see great things. Who knows what he's going to do next? But this message came about because I have a daughter. And uh, my son, it's one thing when your son leaves the house. Yeah, boy, get out of here. <laughs> but my first girl, my oldest, Krista, who's very much like her daddy, beautiful, <laughs> attractive. Smart, witty. Uh, she started getting this stirring to go to college in New York. Now, I wanted her to go to college either here or in Virginia where her brother could look out for her. But God was stirring something different in my daughter, and I had to trust what the Lord was doing in her. And she wants to go and will go to Fashion Institute of Technology in New York City. Because God gave her something. He didn't give it to me. He gave it to her. And so she's got to be a resident of the city of New York for a year in order to take advantage of in-school tuition breaks. So she's already having, she has in her mind, I will be in school next year 2016 August 24th 25th so I've got to get to New York before then establish a place to live get a job and all of that and I'm like wait a minute now hold on New York City now I know God called me to preach in New York City but I don't like New York City it's too busy the stuff you see on TV I don't like it my baby ain't going there was starting to be some tension between us. I said, wait a minute, hold on. I prayed. I said, God, you got to give me a word the way my dad had a word for me. And God said, Genesis 12. I mean, within moments, Genesis 12. 
I looked at Genesis 12. Get out of your father's house. She's got to get out of your house to find what I have for her. And if you raised her up well, she'll be fine no matter where she goes. Because you can get to some mess in Nashville, just like you can mess in New York. Or you can stand in Nashville, you can stand in New York. Trust the seed that's been planted in this girl. And trust that I'll protect her, provide for her, make her name great. You see, I gave her this sermon before I even gave it to y'all. Because after God broke me down through a puddle of tears, I was holding on. Oh. I finally surrendered. I said, okay, Lord, I'll let her go. And I was flooded with peace. And all she had was a big old Kool-Aid smile on her face <laughs> when I told her. So next couple weeks, the three of us are going to drive up and get her established. Because, you know, I, I, I'm dad and all, and I trust God. But I threw this out. I said, now, in order for me to really sign off on this, you got to have an apartment with some good people. Thank God for the local church because Kristen Winningham knows somebody and this person knows somebody. So my daughter is moving in with some Holy Ghost filled girls who are plugged into a local church. The rent is right at the amount that she wanted to pay and what she saved up thus far. And it was like God again, he confirmed his calling with a sign. He confirmed his calling with an open door. I said, all right, Lord, I will let her go. She ain't mine anyway, but I'm going to let her go. Oh, my God. I'm still struggling a little bit. Y'all pray for a pastor up in here. <laughs> Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. Well, do me a favor. Stand to your feet. Because I want to pray for you. As much as my daughter is excited about walking in what God has for her, I know and, and, and man, she's got faith. But we want to pray for her. Because I'm sure if Abraham's father was alive, he would have prayed a prayer blessing on his son. I mentioned to you about how my dad's middle name is Emmanuel. He spells it with an E. But had I never left Emmanuel with the E, I would not have known about Emmanuel with the I. And I know my daughter's about to know God in a way. And this is a baby I was ready to send to Haiti. Because God was stirring about Haiti. So I want my baby to stay right here. We're going to pray. Is there anybody else that God's calling? Maybe he's calling you out of this city to go to another city. Maybe he's calling you out of one job to another job. Maybe he's calling you out of a bad relationship. Maybe he's calling you into the ministry. Maybe he's called. I don't know. But it's a sign of obedience. That as you step out in faith, you could step out and just join me here. Is there one? You know God's calling you. I'm not going to drum this up. Come on. Get out. Get out. Get out. It's time to shift. Maybe you need to get out of the church where you were and come to this church. Maybe you need to get out of this church and go to another one. Get out. Just get out. Be obedient. Get out. You'll never know what he has for you unless you get out. Stop being afraid. Get out. And for some of us, let go. Let go. Oh, my. Isn't this beautiful? Look at this greatness. 
Look at this. Look at these world changes right here. Let's do this. Let's do this.